Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. It's uh, an honor to be back, and I pray that this event will end different than the last time for me. <laughs> the last time I was here, I ended up in the emergency room for the surgery. So, uh, kidney stone, worst, biggest stone the doctor, the surgeon had ever seen. And, uh, you know, I thought I was getting some words of knowledge initially. Even gave it. Several people got healed of the pain I was having and then realized, well, that wasn't a word of knowledge. That's actually me. <laughs> and uh, it got worse. Anyway, I'm grateful to be here. I do want to, I'm going to be speaking to you this morning on the subject of the power of the testimony. Now, pastor just told me if I want to preach something different in the second service, I could. I wasn't planning on it, but I might. And I, I'll let you know at the end, um, because I'm thinking about the second service preaching on faith and three boat rides and how that uh, what happened in these boat rides in, in, indicates what I think is a very uh, nuanced understanding about faith that, that deals with the balance between our responsibility to grow in faith, the danger of presumption in faith, and God's expecting us to uh, grow in faith and the invitation to do things in faith. Um, it's all on three boat rides, and so I'm, I think I may do that. And anyway, uh, since I'm going to be speaking on the power of the testimony, I'd like to begin uh, with a testimony of someone who just got healed the last 24 hours, I believe, if you'll come on up, sir. And I want to give you a couple of minutes of my time to share with you. I'll hold the mic for you. So tell us what happened. My name is John Boss, and just a little more than 24 hours ago, I slipped on the ice yesterday morning, flat on my back, couldn't hardly move. I crawled from the ground back into the, into the house, my hands and knees, and my wife called the paramedics. She called her prayer team, got them all praying. Had one of my coworkers call our business, got them all praying, got a hold of the church, got them all praying. They literally had to carry me out on a on a gurney bag to get me on a stretcher. I was in the hospital. By 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon, I was able to sit up, stand up, and walked out of that hospital on my own. I have broken T6 in my back. And this morning, I slept great. This morning, I got up. I can move. I can jump. I can give glory to God. And I've experienced His healing power. Declare the word of the Lord. The devil can't take you out. His word is true. His word is powerful. Pastor Dwayne teaches on the authority that we have been given in Jesus Christ. Use his name to bring him glory and show the devil he has no authority over us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I... Uh don't have hardly anything to sell as far as books and things. I've written about 40 books. I'm the president of a new seminary that we started about six years ago. We did four, doc, four master's programs and two doctorate programs. And um, 
But I do want to say that I would like for you to be able to have something of mine. We have a, 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 about a 200-page document. It's on a response to the critics of the NRA, NAR, New Apostolic Reformation. Um, that I wrote part of that, and a lot of people in my seminary, some of the students wrote it. I also would like to give you my doctoral dissertation. It's a de- doctor of ministry, but I was offered a PhD for it if I would not surrender it to the school for the D-men. I would, um, a professor at SMU offered us, this is not a D-men, this is a PhD. I'll give you a PhD for this, accept it as it is. I foolishly didn't do that, but it was on a study of the effects of Christian prayer upon chronic pain and loss of function or range of motion from uh, surgically implanted materials. And uh, uh, it's, it's four of my books actually has segments drawn out of the dissertation, and it deals both with, with refuting cessationism and liberalism and, uh, dealing, and, and dealing a scientific study on the effects of Christian prayer upon chronic pain or loss of motion. We have five to 6,000 people that have reported their um, healing from this type of a condition to where that they couldn't move, they couldn't walk, they, they couldn't bend their neck. There's all types of things that, um, on morphine pumps, on all types of medication, and uh, we're at least 80% better. The study, you had to be at least 80% better to even get included as being uh, um, healed. And uh, in the medical field, if you have a failed back surgery, uh, um, an F- FBS, um, if you get better after a second surgery by 10%, that's good. 15% better is really good. We didn't even count it if it wasn't 80%. So that's all written up, and I'd like for you to get a chance. It's all free. Um, we have another book, uh, Healing Energy, Whose Energy Is It? Dealing the difference between Christian healing and New Age healing, Reiki, therapeutic touch, and things like that. Um, you can buy it if you want. It costs you about $15, or you can get it free. So I want to tell you how to get it. You just go on your line, go online and type in Randy Clark 13. And the number 13, period, or dot, academia.edu. And that will take you to um, where you can get a lot of these studies of things that we put out. We put out several times a year. We'll put out some new things that we've written and make it. It's all free. So for those of you who said, oh, I'm not going to get any of the books, but you actually can, and it'd be my gift to you. Uh, having said that, I want to say that I believe that, I want to make a declaration. I believe there's going to be a lot of people get healed tonight. I also believe there's going to be people get healed this morning. I believe some people are going to be healed because of the testimony. And um, I believe in the, the power of the testimony. And I'm going to be looking at four scriptures today. And it's only three stories, but two of the scriptures is both Luke and Matthew's um, sharing of that story. And I'm trying to put it in a chronological position and because I believe that God uses testimony powerfully for healing. He uses Scripture powerfully uh, for healing. He uses declarations. And I wanna, that's why I wanted to start out this morning just saying I believe there'll be a lot of people get healed tonight. 
If we have kind of a normal service, it's usually about 20% of the people there. If you have 1,000 people, you'd have about 200 healings take place in the meeting. And that's what we've been seeing for the last few years, a couple of years before COVID, and then uh, it started happening. When it first started, right after uh, Toronto, we were seeing 3% of the crowd out of 1,000 people. We'd have 30 people get healed every night when we would go for healing. And then at one point, uh, I was at Redding, California, and we had this uh, eight days of meetings, and we had this one meeting where God just began to sh- show me things about His sovereignty and His sovereignty and, re- and healing. And, and uh, we went from 3% to, um, it, w- it went from almost uh, be- about half of it would have been like 157 healings out of 1,000. Normally, we would have 15 at that point. 10 times more than we'd ever had. It never went down to 3% again. It always stayed at 10%, and about 10 years later, it jumped to 20%. Um, and so I believe we're going to see a lot of healings. Now, and, and, and uh, I'm encouraged by what we're seeing God do in the United States. So I've chosen in a, a, a short video that I'm going to show you, and I want to make a declaration. If you watch this video with an expectation You can be healed watching the video before I ever pray for you without a prayer. And I believe it so much that as soon as the video is over later, I'm just going to ask everybody to stand up and try to do something you can't. And if you have an organ problem rather than a muscular skeletal problem, just put your hand on the organ that needs to be healed. And uh, there's going to be people get healed. You're going to to know it before you leave here. Now, I accidentally came across that because I've been showing this video before and people would get healed. But only after I prayed. Then one day I was in Australia and I said, you know, I'm going to, I actually believe that people can be healed before I pray. So I said it. I said, some of you are going to be healed watching the video. And I believe it's so strong. As soon as we're over, I want you to get up and try to do something you can't for at least a minute. And it happened. And it happened every time we showed any, several of these videos. And then one day I accidentally forgot to tell them you can be healed watching it. And nobody got healed. And I thought, what happened? And I realized this passage the Lord had given me when I was uh, ministering in a big Baptist church in Brazil. The church had grown from 300 the first time we went. Now it's over 30,000. Second time we went, it was um, over close to 2,000. Third time we went, it had 9,000. Next time we went, they'd started 23 churches out of the mother church in one year. And they had in the city now about 30,000. So on the way from the hotel to this Baptist church, the Lord quickens this scripture to me. And I looked it up and found where it was at. And it's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. And it's, it's the Apostle Paul quoting David. And the quote from David is this, as it is written, we believed Therefore, we have spoken. And then Paul goes on, no longer quoting, but he makes this statement about that quote. And in that same spirit of faith, we too believe, and therefore we speak. And the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart and said, the application of this scripture that I just quickened to your mind, that wasn't thinking about it, is this. If you believe I'm going to do something, you need to share it with the congregation. 
If you honestly believe I'm going to do something because of something I reveal to you or whatever it is that you feel like I'm going to do, you need to share that because in the sharing, you're actually, the Holy Spirit will take what you share and bring people to come into an agreement and they were, were not expecting it, but your declaration of what you believe God's about to do, some actually will come into agreement with that and now they are expecting it and because of the different expectation. By the way, my word expectation is a synonym for the, what I believe is the kind of faith that produces healing and miracles. It's not what you believe God can do. It's what you're expecting Him to do in that moment. And I want to talk about the difference, not today, but in, well, not now, but between faith as what we believe, faith as your measure of faith, your faith, and then the gift of faith, which is God's faith, and how that they are different. I've never seen a miracle that didn't perce- wasn't preceded by the gift of faith that was from God, created by revelation that of Him revealing what He wants to do. So I made a declaration. I want you to expect that as you watch the video, the power of God can literally come upon your body, and you can will will actually sense and feel His presence. And as you try, and a lot of the people that are healed, they were healed when, as they're responding to the, the, what they sense God touching them, then when they tried to do something they couldn't, that's when it happened. Happens a lot like that. So you're going to, I'm going to do my best, and I'm expecting you to work with me in the sense of not just sitting there, I'm waiting to feel something. It says, I'm going to lean into and actually expect God could touch me because he will. So I uh, got my doctor's degree from United Theological Seminary, which is a Methodist seminary. When we went there, it was very, very liberal. And by the time we graduated, there's about 20 of us in the Randy Clark Scholars. We started this thing called the Randy Clark Scholars from all different denominations that it was a part of our program. And the, the seminary flipped from being a very liberal seminary that didn't believe in the supernatural to wanting to be known for renewal wanting to be known for signs and wonders, wanting to be known, going, going from, we don't even believe Jesus did these things, to, to, to we believe these things are happening today. And it, was, it, it transformed the whole seminary. Usually education goes from conservative and becomes liberal. This time it went from being liberal and became conservative. And it was because of what God uh, was doing. So I was preaching there and, um, and, and in Dayton, and I was preaching at this all-black church, and the, the pastor and his wife both had their doctor's degrees, and, and, I, and I was really nervous because I don't have rhythm, and I didn't think I could preach with the organ in the background, and I was really, really nervous. And, and the, the black pastors that came in, they could preach the paint off the wall, and so I really was having a little bit of an inferiority complex to begin with, and it's the only time I've ever done this in 53 years of being in the ministry. I preached for about five minutes and stopped and looked at the pastor, who's also a dentist, and, and I said... Um, Pastor, I don't have the right message. This is falling flat. I am not going to preach. I'm just going to tell stories of what I'm seeing God do all over the world. And those of you who have actually, would, if you've ever heard me preach, you're just thinking, well, that's, that's all he does anyway. So, you know, it really wasn't that different of a message. But anyway, as, so I came around to the front. I start telling stories of what I'm seeing God do. And as I'm telling this story, I feel heat come on my left foot the top of my left foot. 
I didn't explain it as a word of knowledge. I just said, I feel heat on the top of my left foot. Well, a few minutes later, no one is listening to me because everybody's looking over there. Well, I can't preach if no one's listening. So I went over here to see what everybody's looking at. And there was this great big black guy. He's like 6'5", 6'6", about 300 pounds, big. I mean, he's not like he's not, he's not like he's fat. He's just big. He's muscle. He's, he was actually a, a tackle on football teams. And, um, but he's crying and it's really got my attention because there's this great big guy with tears just running down his cheeks. And I went up to him and said, sir, what's going on? He said, that's my wife right there. You ask her. And there were a lot of women surrounding her and there's a lot of excitement going on. So I got, I knelt down so I could look at her. I said, what's going on? She looked at me and she said, I'm 28 years old. When I was eight years old, I fell out of the project. The window broke and it almost cut my foot off. And my foot was hanging by the Achilles tendon and they had to reconstruct my foot. And I ended up having artificial leaders being put in. And since for 20 years, I've not been able to run. I've not been able to curl my toes for 20 years. I've not been able to flex my foot for 20 years. But a while ago, when you said you felt heat on the top of your left foot, it is my left foot, and it's the top of my foot where the tendons were torn, and I felt like the Lord said, try to move your toes. And when I tried to move my toes, I could. For the first time in 20 years, I could do what was impossible to do. They said I'd never be able to do that. Then I tried to flex my foot. I can. She jumped up and ran around the church. Now, you have to understand, she was healed by a word of knowledge. The gift of word of knowledge and then it coming on her and that manifestation of heat on her foot, God created in her the gift of faith that brought about her healing. But it was augmented or supplemented or God helped create that by both the word I felt and then his heat coming on her foot. The following Sunday, I was in um, Taipei, Taiwan, and I was speaking. It was just a week later, so I told that story. After the sermon was over and after the service was over, actually, this Chinese man came up on... Of course, everybody was Chinese there. This, this, this Chinese guy came up on the platform with his adult daughter, and he said, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you a story. Well, anybody knows I'm a sucker for stories. I love stories. And I said, well, go ahead. I want to hear it. He said, this is not my church. I've never been to this church. Today, my daughter and I were driving down the road right in front of this church to our church. And the Holy Spirit said, pull in here and go to church here today. We had no idea why. But we did. Now my daughter will finish the story. She stepped up and she said, I'm 28 years old. When I was eight years old, I almost had my foot cut off and it was hanging by the Achilles tendon. And when they put it back together, I had no longer had the ability to curl my toes or flex my foot or run. We're not here because you're here because we don't know who you are. We've never heard of you. We're here because God said, stop here. And when I heard that story, I knew this was a divine appointment that God had brought us here to hear that story because God wanted to heal my foot. It created such faith in me that I went outside to try to run. And when I tried to run, I too could run. The first woman was healed by a word of knowledge, a gift of the Holy Spirit, and a manifestation of healing presence. It increased her faith. 
But the second woman, there was no word of knowledge for her. All there was was the testimony of somebody who had the same thing. And when she heard it and the timing of it, she put it together and understood this is a God thing. He has orchestrated this and it created faith in her to be healed. Now, I just want us to understand there are ways of God. And when we understand, Moses said in Exodus 33, if I found favor in your sight, then teach me your ways so I may know you. And in understanding the ways of God, we actually recognize his presence in our midst. When sometimes if we aren't aware of some of the ways that he moves in our midst and some of the things he does and how the gifts of revelation uh, create the gift of faith, which releases then the gifts of power like healing and miracles. And if we don't have a rational understanding of that, sanctified reason, not secular reason, but sanctified reason, it's rational. Once we know that God, John 5, uh, 14, if we know that we're asking something according to his will, we know that he's heard us, we know that he's heard us, we know we receive that which we ask. So we, we, we know this is the, when God reveals what he wants to do, then we, we know that this is a different type of situation than when we're just not hoping because we're aware that this is what God has revealed he wants to do. So I want Scared me for a moment. I thought that's how long I'd gone, but that's how much time I have left. Whew. Wow. All right. So I want to I uh, share with you four scriptures. These four scriptures are only three stories because I want to lay out for you the chronology of when these stories happen because it's important. Because my, what I'm wanting to teach you is the power of the testimony in the Bible. Because you say, well, that, that's really, really good, Randy. It's really good. You had a good story there. Good. But where's this at in the Bible? I, you know, I, I was raised Baptist and, and the Baptists have a great love uh, for the word of God. And I, I want to make it legal. You know, if you're going to have a sermon, you need to have a text. And it's this, but, but I also want you to know, because there are certain Christians that believe that God used to do things, but he quit. He retired from that, and he's not going to do it anymore until the millennium comes. And some people look at me and say, you have an over-realized eschatology. And what they mean by that, you're expecting God to do things that aren't for now. You're expecting God to do things that's not going to happen until Jesus comes back and we're in the millennium. Well, I don't agree with that. I think the people that tell me I have an over-realized eschatology, my thought is yours is under-realized. I mean, you're, you're, you're putting off until the millennium things that Jesus said we're supposed to do. I had read recently, somebody said, well, these things in the Bible and in the, in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, they are descriptive, but they weren't meant to be prescriptive. They, they were telling us what the disciples did and what Jesus did. They were describing it, but we weren't supposed to do that. But the apostle Paul said, be an imitator of me as I am of Christ. It is not only descriptive, it is prescriptive. Jesus said in the Great Commission that we're to go in all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Most of us put a period there. But there's no period there. There's a comma. And teaching them to obey, observe, do everything whatsoever I have commanded you. And when you look at the commissioning of the 12 and the commissioning of the 70, which were not the 12, they had pretty much the same commission. Heal the sick, announce the kingdom, tell the people the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick and cast out demons, raise the dead. And then when we make disciples, we're supposed to teach people how to do that. 
But part of the church says, no, no, we don't have to do that anymore. There's, there's. So the stories, the stories is to let you know that God still is doing it. But the scriptures is to let you know that we're biblical. So I have both scripture and stories of what God's doing today. So let's begin in Luke chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Did you know that 80% of the people in Africa that came to church for the first time came to church because they needed healing? The number one way of reaching people in Africa is the need they have for healing or, or deliverance. It's quite different. I would like to say the way we reach the postmodern Christian, the post-Christian culture and the postmodern culture in America and Europe is the way that the early saints reached pagan Europe. When people are not yet Christian, when people do not believe the Bible is the Word of God. What happened in the 50s, 60s, and even the 70s when Billy Graham could stand and say, the Bible says, and most Americans would give credence to that and say that's authority because the Bible's the Word of God. We are now living in a time in Europe and in North America where that, well, your truth and my truth doesn't have to be the same truth. We're, 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 it, it's kind of like what, when the people went into England before it was England, and when nobody was Christian, you couldn't say the Bible says, and it had authority for the people who didn't know what the Bible was. But the authority was in the preaching of the gospel. The authority was in the preaching of the gospel with signs following. And when they saw the signs following, the healing and the miracles and deliverance in the name of Jesus, then they came to faith in Christ, and then they began to learn that this Bible is the Word of God. So you start with the gospel followed by signs and wonders that causes people to come to Christ, and then... They believe the Bible is the Word of God. That's where we're at for much of our culture today. And that's, that's it's, you say, oh, that sounds scary, but no, we're just, what the way the church expanded and exploded in the first few centuries, that's where we're at again. But it can't be merely an apologetics of ration, rationalism and reason it has to be the demonstration of the presence and power of the gospel to heal and to deliver and to bring change to people's lives. So anyway, there's this great crowd, and they have come to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by impure spirits or unclean spirits or, uh, were cured, and the people, this is the main verse right here, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Everybody's trying to touch Jesus because power is coming from him and healing them all. Now, I can't prove what I'm about to say, but I am going to prove the next story. They are connected. I believe that the woman with the issue of blood, who's going to be the next story, you know that story, the woman with the issue of blood, more sermons preached on that than I think any other passage of Scripture about healing is the woman with the issue of blood. I personally believe 
what she thought and why she said to herself, if I just touch this cloak, I'll be healed. But she heard about this story. She heard that out on that plain, that level area, everybody was trying to touch Jesus and everyone who touched him, power came out of him and healed him. That was the basis. Now, I can't find a scripture that says that she heard the story, but I believe that that's what happened. But we want to look at her story. It's in the beginning, or it's in the middle of verse 42 of chapter 8. Now, that's why I want to go to chapter 6 first, because chapter 6 of Luke, followed by chapter 8, means what happened in chapter 8 was later in time, chronologically, than 6. You say, well, why? Because we're going to look at Matthew 9, which is the same story of Luke 8, which is followed then by Matthew 14. So we have the story of the woman with the issue of blood is in the middle between the Luke 6, everybody on that plane touching and being healed, and then the people from the land of the Gerasenes and what they ask Jesus to let the sick do. I think you will see the connection and the power of testimony to create faith in people to be healed. So Luke 8, 42, middle of the verse. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. It's really interesting. Um, Luke is a physician. This thing about physicians, not cutting physicians down other physicians, it goes all the way back to the Bible. Luke says, and no one could heal her. But another gospel writer, and he was Mark, says, and she had spent all of her money on doctors, and she was no better. Luke skips that because he's Luke the physician. And he, he left that part out, but, you know, the others told us. She came up behind him and touched. Now, this is really important. It, different translations say it different. Like King James touched the hem of his garment. Um, some, some would say, and, and touched his clothes. And another translation says, uh, um, this one says, touched the edge of his cloak. So she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. That's really important. And immediately, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. And when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Now, this is not like out on the plane. Not everybody's touching him is getting healed this time. So her touch is different from the other touches. And they all denied it. And Peter said, Master, the people are crowding, pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me, just like on the plane. Now, the question I might ask, if we stop right here, we'd say, how was she healed? We'd say, the power of God healed her. But a little bit later, Jesus is going to say, daughter, your faith has healed you. Well, which was true. They're both true. How many of you believe your key will start your car? Go out, take your key, open up the hood, just put it wherever you want, all over the engine. And you say, well, you're getting pretty stupid right now. You, you, you got to know how to use the key. That would preach. The key doesn't start your car. It really doesn't. But it's utilized in starting your car. This illustration doesn't work in Portuguese. <laughs> I preach in Portuguese a lot. 
It doesn't work in Portuguese because they don't have this word that we have that's this thing that's about this big around, it's bolted onto the engine. And this thing that's bolted onto our engine that actually starts the car, do you know what it's called in English? What, what do we call it? Isn't that a great word? The starter starts the car. So what starts the car, the key or the starter? The starter starts it, but the key is what causes the starter's power to be engaged. The starter's power is the divine power of God. The key is faith, and they work together. That's why I don't like to use the term faith healing, because in the medical field, they, they associate that with psychosomatic healing and kind of a naturalistic healing rather than a supernatural. I prefer the word divine healing as to faith healing, but I, I understand, the, and I've just pointed out how important faith is, and we'll, we can talk about that more in another time. But she's, anyway, Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that uh, power's gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, have you ever wondered why? When I was, when I was uh, 16 years old, I worked six to eight hours every summer, every week, driving tractors. And I got a dollar and a quarter an hour. And I got paid, and I went to the, got my girlfriend, and we went to the county fair. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm standing in line to get tickets to ride the Ferris wheel, and I felt a bad pickpocket pick my pocket. And I turned around instantly, and I can't figure out who it is. There's only 20 people. There's not a big crowd, just 20 people. And I can't see who picked my pocket. So why couldn't this woman, in the midst of a huge crowd, not hide herself? And it says, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, have you ever wondered why she couldn't hide herself? I think she's the one that's standing there in that whole crowd because his power that left his body, that he felt left, leave his body, she felt it come in her body and she perceived that she was healed. And she's the one that I think that looked like this. And sweating because the fire of God is on her. Lots of people, when they get healed, they feel heat. Lots of people feel energy. Some people begin to tremble. And it actually says, then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Now, Luke doesn't tell us what she said. He just tells us that she did tell everybody why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. I believe people who heard her story is what set it up for the next story in the land of the Gerasenes. And I'll get to that in a moment. But Matthew does tell us what she said. Then he, meaning Jesus, said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now, let's just look at Matthew in chapter 9, because this is the same story, and see what little bit he added. Just then, uh, verse 20, chapter 9, Matthew. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched, here it is again, the edge of his cloak. Both Luke and Matthew gives us this little detail in the telling of the story. She touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, this is what Matthew lets us know that Luke didn't tell us the specifics of. Here's her self-talk. Self-talk is important. Self-talk and faith are related. So many times I've had people get miracles, and then we get their testimony. She said, I knew tonight was going to be my night. 
So many times you hear them in their testimony, when it, years they go through and they hadn't been healed, many times they've been prayed for hundreds of times sometime, and then they said, I knew tonight was going to be my night. God had somehow let them know, and there, there was this expectation. So she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. So she is expecting the healing when she touches him. And I believe reason why she believed that was because she'd heard the story. Everybody that was touching him, power was coming out of him and healing them all. Now, verse 22, Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. Now, this is our last story, and it's Matthew chapter 14. Last 30, verse 34, 5 and 6. Now, this is on the way over. They're having a battle on the, the sea. There's a storm. Often on the way to your miracle, the enemy was going to, was going to create a diversion and try to stop you from getting to the place to receive your miracle. There, there really is a war over our lives, and there's a warfare in the spirit realm. And, uh, but, but, they, they persevere, and they end up in the land of the Gerasenes in the Genesaret. Now, one time Jesus had been there. Last time Jesus had been there, he delivered this guy called Legion. 2,000 pigs become devil ham <laughs> as they go off the cliff. And when the demon said, let us go into those pigs... The people came out, and they, they're, they're, and they see the guy's clothing in his right mind. They'd been running around this naked guy eating the dogs and, and scaring everybody. And they ask him, will you get out of here? The man wants to go with Jesus. And Jesus says, no, I don't want you to come with me. I want you to go back, and I want you to tell the people what I did for you. He turns the whole evangelism of a whole region over to a former demonized guy who had a couple thousand demons in him. I mean, we would, we would want at least three or four years of training and educating and, and, be, and you know, making sure he's holding up before we turn him loose. But when he got there, God had used that man to prepare this land. And I believe when that woman that touched Jesus with the issue of blood told in the midst of the crowd why she touched him, I'd said to myself, if I can only touch his cloak, I'm going to be healed. And in the telling of the story, they're always added and the, included this little part. When she touched the edge of his clock, she was healed. Why do I believe that? Verse 34 of chapter 14, Matthew. When they had crossed over, they landed at Genesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. The normal way Jesus healed was by command. I command your eyes to see, command those ears to open. Command, almost every prayer, in, well, every prayer where they actually record what's said in a healing in the New Testament is a prayer of command. It's not a petitionary prayer. But we know based on James 5 that petitionary prayers are fine. Nothing wrong with them. 
But that's not the normal way that people pray. They prayed commanding prayers. Jesus also healed by touching people. The, number, the two main ways Jesus healed was by commanding or declaring or commanding spirits to leave, commanding, you know, or declaring healing or touching people. Those are the three main ways. This is the, oh, this, this one story uh, is really the only time that it talks about touching the edge of his cloak. Whether it's Matthew, Mark, or Luke, it's not three stories. That's one story told by three different people. So this is unusual. But what do the men ask? They beg Jesus. They plead with Jesus. They beg, just let the people touch the edge of your cloak. Why? Because their faith was connected to the story, the testimony of this woman who just touched the edge of his cloak. The irony of this is if you study many commentators, a lot of commentators don't like this story in Matthew 14. And they'll actually say, what we have here is getting close to superstitious, superstitious faith. And they, and they, they, they speak negative about the kind of faith where they're pleading, just let them touch the edge of your cloak. I'd like to say that's because a lot of commentators have almost no experience in the healing ministry. They really don't understand how God does build faith in people. And there's nothing superstitious about it. It is just the nature of the way he's wired us to say, if he did it for her, he can do it for me. So our testimonies, I want to conclude. Actually, I'm done with the sermon. Done. Time's over. Now, I want to make a declaration. I'm going to show you healings that happened in the United States of America. I'm going to show you a short video that happened in um, Redding, California. And in this short video, you're going to see where metal, big hump, disappears instantly. You're going to, actually, I have a picture of the woman when she saw it happen, her friend, she jumped up, put her hands in the air, and started running around like she couldn't believe it. And I don't have that part in the video. I just got it. We're also going to see in the, in the video uh, a, a, a person who is deaf, almost 100% deaf in the ear because she had a disease that had destroyed the, all the dr- bones in the inner part of the ear and the eardrum. She doesn't have any of the parts. All of them are necessary to hear, and all of them are gone. And she gets a creative miracle. And it's not Mozambique, and it's not Africa, it's not Brazil, it's not, it's California. And may he do it again. May, if you have hearing problem, may you get a miracle today. If you have a problem with metal in your body, may you get a healing today. May anything similar, may just there be an expectation, today is my day. So let's watch the video. Eli. Eli? Yeah. 
what was your problem? What was the, what was, what have you um, a metal plate sticking out of my arm for years and in front of everyone. Like the, this, off her arm. It's the, always been that it way. It just went down. I, I don't. watched it go flat. Yeah. In an instant, I watched it go flat. <laughs> As we were praying over her, it disappeared. The plate's gone. She's always had that. It's gone. <laughs> It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. You can see the rig. You, you can, can see, see it, it. You sticking can see out. It. This far. All this, the screws that had come out were in my muscle. They were embedding, and so. Can I just? I, I don't it have to. It stuck out like a mound on her like, arm. Like it was gnarly. And yeah. It, I watched it go thunk. Since like 2006. So. so for eight years or nine years. Yeah. Nine she's years. had this huge plate coming out of her arm. She's had this huge plate coming out of her arm, like yeah. a mound on her arm that was so visible. And I watched it as we were praying. Instantly, it's it went thunk and it was gone. <laughs> Praise God. Can I say one other thing. Yeah. Um. In 2012, I got saved at the healing rooms in Santa Maria, and I got healed of HIV, and my heart valves got healed, and I've got the, the I have the proof, the medical proof to prove it, and so I didn't think God would do more for me, and then they stood up and prayed for my arm, and he healed me again, so. I had a disease in my ear, and um, it's called colosteatoma, and it ate away all the ear bones and the eardrum in my left ear and I um, could only hear very loud noises like tractors and airplanes um, but I couldn't hear the TV and I couldn't talk on the phone and I couldn't hear my very quiet friend um, and this weekend I th I think that just changed and I I think I can hear out of my ear just fine and I can hear little tiny noises like rubbing my fingers together in this ear and that is a total change completely so you said you had no ear bones, no ear drum, and you could only hear very loud sounds. Yeah. And now you're saying you can hear a gentle rub of your own fingers in the midst of a crowd. Is that right? Yeah, in this noisy room, I can hear my little fingers and I can hear my quiet friend just fine. Incredible. Praise God. <laughs> That's my foot. My cricket foot. <laughs> that was my cricket foot. That was her foot. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> and it also affected my back. So when my foot got healed, I don't have any more back pain either. <laughs> okay. On a, on a scale of one, uh, zero to ten, ten is excruciating. What was the level of your pain before you got healed? Can I say over ten? Yes. Because <laughs> a, a lot of the times, like, I couldn't even make dinner for my husband <laughs> or do anything with my grandkids. <laughs> What's your pain level now? In zero. <laughs> was one of the people that stood up when he said crowbar and everybody kind of giggled but um, I stood up because God had told me earlier when we were in praise and worship uh, it's the crowbar you're still holding on to that a reason is is that um, I suffered domestic violence 
and I was beaten with a crowbar. My neck was broken. My jaw was broken. I suffered loss of hearing, and this year I couldn't hear at all. I wear a hearing aid. Um, the associate pastor and his wife could attest, they're my uh, in-laws, they're my brother's niece, so they're mine, um, that I can't hear. Um, but we were in praise and worship. He said, now I'm going to wash you clean. And I was there, I was kind of embarrassed, but I was just soaking. It was just getting wet. And I, I said, I better take off my hearing aid or else I'm not going to be able to hear. It's not going to work because they get wet. They don't work. So I took it off and then I was saying, wait, wait, I could, I could hear. I don't know how good I could hear, but I've never heard you before preach even with a microphone without the hearing aid. And tonight, I didn't wear the hearing aid. It went right into my Bible pocket, and I haven't put it back on. Because it was the crowbar, I guess, that when it beat me and broke my neck and my jaw, and God healed me inside my heart, because he said, it's not the hearing that you want. It's the healing inside that you want. But I'm going to give it to you anyway. Amen. Amen. Now, the Lord had spoken to her. And told her before, is this correct? Before I gave the word crowbar, Amen. he told you he was going to heal the crowbar issue yes. for you tonight. Yes. And then we get this word crowbar. So thank you for coming and giving that testimony. We And thank you, Lord. Yes, thank you. I want to explain just very briefly. I even said to the crowd there that night, I don't think this next word is God. I think I'm missing God. I just don't know how this could be related to some type of healing because I heard the word crowbar. So I said, crowbar. And the Lord had just spoken to her a few minutes earlier and said, I'm going to heal your crowbar issue tonight. And when she talked about this, that getting wet, she with the heat of God was so strong, she was sweating so profusely. Often, that does happen a lot. I was shocked that it was really the Lord. And she, but what do you think it did for her faith when later I get up and I said, I don't understand this. I don't even think it's the Lord, but I just heard crowbar. Can you see how that would be a gift that would create the gift of faith that resulted in her getting her hearing? So I want everybody to stand up and I want you to test. Hey, and say, I don't have anything wrong with it. Just out of sympathy for the others around you. <laughs> just stand up. And if it's not muscular, skeletal, but you have a heart issue, a liver issue, a lung, a, a, a digestive issue, just put your hand where you need the healing. But if it is muscular, skeletal, try to do what you can't do, whatever it would be that you can't do. Start doing it. And I want you to just do it for 30 seconds. And then I'm not going to pray. I will pray later, but I want, then I want you to check your body out. And you don't have to be 100%. I learned this from Omar Cabrera, a famous healing evangelist in, in Argentina. He said, Randy, don't ask for 100% because we'll only see a little bit because we're going to inspect in a matter of minutes, not days. But keep it significantly high. 80% is a high degree of healing. And now we're testifying not to what's completed, but what God's doing. And there'll be so much more you're going to see what God is doing that it will increase people's faith and then more will happen. So it's actually important that if you realize, oh my gosh, my condition, I, it's improved. I, I, I feel like I'm at least 80% better. Then I'm going to ask you to do something. And that's this. This is your testimony. 
And in your testimony, others see it and it will encourage them. So check it out. Try. Maybe you've already been going for 30 seconds. So I'll give you 10, 15 seconds more. It's really interesting the difference between doing this in Brazil and doing this in the United States. In Brazil, I don't even have to say you need to start moving. I mean, they're already. I've seen people get their miracle. They, when they didn't, weren't healed in, within a minute, they, so they're not to distract from the sermon, they go outside in a hallway. One guy, deacon in a Baptist church, 16 screws and metal bars from scoli- severe scoliosis, could only move his arms here. He went outside and for 15 minutes he kept, just kept trying. And then he came in after 15 minutes. All right, if you recognize that your condition is getting better and you're at least 80% better, wave both hands over your head as a testimony that you're in the process of being healed. We have one here. We should have a lot. I don't need to keep it. I want to see how many. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, keep waving up in the balcony. Eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Now this section here, 17, 18, 19, 20. This section, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26. 26, I got them in already. 26 healings, 80% better. Now, how many of you are not 80% better, but you are better? You're aware that the presence of God is starting to touch your body and you're improving, but you're not 80% yet, but you're being touched. Would you put up only one hand and wave it? Okay. If I was praying for you as an individual and you said something's happening, I would pray a second time. But this is actually going to be the first time. And so, okay. I'm one minute over. One more minute. Okay, we're going to pray for you. And some of you that weren't 80% would time the prayers over. You check it again. You're going to be 80%. And, and that, that's not high. That's based on a history with God. Father, I thank you for what you're about to do. And I offer up the Todah praise, that Hebrew word for praise that's praising you for what you are about to do. I thank you that others that you were starting to touch, you're going to continue to touch them. And there's going to be the manifestation of that healing, 80% or more. And I thank you for it in advance. And I pray, God, that you... And I want to be careful, Lord, to say I have nothing to do with this. You're the healer. Jesus made it possible by what he did at the cross. Thank you for the gifts of healing. And thank you for the Holy Spirit ministry of healing. And I bless the people and I speak to their pain. I command the pain to go down, to decrease. And and the the muscular and skeletal things to, to be changed, to come in conformity with the way you wanted it to be in heaven's pattern. In Jesus' name, for the glory of your name and the Son's name, Jesus, we bless them. We bless them. Manifest and bring glory to the name of Jesus by healing more people. We believe that he is worthy of more in Jesus' name. Now, check your body out one more time as pastors are... Whoever's coming next. Because I'm going to. If you're now. See, in India, 
When the people who were unsaved Hindus saw the people getting healed in Jesus' name, they wanted to give their life to Jesus. And so your testimony brings glory to the name of Jesus. If you now, you couldn't wave your hands a while ago, but now you can, you're at least 80% better. Or you got healed of a second thing, then you can wave your hands twice. Let me know. If you're now 80%, but you worked a while ago, wave both hands over your head. Both hands over your head. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in here. Here, this section. Nine, ten, this section. Eleven, twelve, this section. Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Got one over there? And the balcony. I, I, got, I got some balcony. Well, I don't know if I got that. Say 18 more. So we had 26 and 18. Um, thank you, God, whatever that is for, the, for, for 46, 44. Um, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And thank you. Thank you. Jesus loves you. He went through the scourging at the cross for your healing. By his stripes, we are healed. But he gave his life for the salvation of your soul. And even if we get healed, we're still going to grow old and die. But if we know him, he said we'll never die. Oh, we may lay our body aside, but we're going to get a new glorified body. And we're going to be with him in the interim time. And it's not just about being put right with God and having eternal life, but it's a promise of you'll never, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He will be your defense attorney. He will be your strengthener, your counselor, your comforter. You'll have, you'll have him to go through the rest of life with you. This gospel is not just trying to sell you some term insurance and some fire insurance that you have to buy, die to get the benefit of it. This gospel has benefits in this life. It's like whole life insurance. While you're still alive, there are so many benefits to knowing Him and having Him in your life. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.